off, we're gonna tear the roof off the mother sucker. Tear the roof off the sucker. Sometimes I think what I need is a you and a Cause I'm a freak, baby. Everything's coming up. Everything's coming up. Like and when I I got into my notes later on for this episode, like when they when they get to the room that Kurt creates, fucking Blaine would have gone ape shit for that room. Yeah, Blaine would have <laughs> liked that room. He would have let us come what may room. Like that's they would. <laughs> <laughs> so Blaine would have moved something, and Kurt would have been pissed uh, off about yeah, it. Totally. <laughs> quibbled a little and bit. And then they would have fought and then they would have broken up and then one of them would have dated Azimio and then <laughs> in three episodes they would have got back together and had a baby. <laughs> but yeah. And that's okay. what you missed on Glee. <laughs> I should start the podcast with that. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Two Daydream Believers. <laughs> We are here, um, and this is Space Orphan 18, and we're talking about uh, Dream On and Theatricality, and I have Canadian Tigger Girl and Snarky Hag with me today. Hello. Hello. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Dream On um, with Neil Patrick Harris, and um, are you guys familiar with Joss Whedon? Oh, yeah. Have you read any of his comic books or Buffy? I was a huge Buffy fan. I was my first fandom. Um. I always wonder about this episode. Like, um, do you notice anything in his direction that's like totally different from the rest of the series that like stands out or anything? I don't know. I've always wondered that. I didn't find it to be jarringly different. No, it's not like I saw it and was like, "Oh, this totally reminds me of this other thing that he did." That he's just really competent, and so a lot of the things that are going on are pulled off like on kind of a higher level. You know, mm-hmm. like you would notice that someone else didn't do it as well, but not necessarily. But like, oh, like this has the stamp of, you know. Yeah, there was a like, couple was a humor of things chance, in there. You know, I think. You <laughs> but yeah, I. So, um, and um, even though Kurt's not really in this episode, we can talk about the like two seconds of um. Him loving the uh, bedazzled jackets. Oh, take the jacket away. That jacket is ugly as shit. He would never it wear that. It is ugly. <laughs> Kurt would never wear that. I agree. No, it's like, no, so honey, funny. you would bedazzle one so much better than that. Like, is... I, I cannot for the life of, rem- life of me remember, like, Kurt bedazzling things. Is that... Where does that's that come That's a fandom trope, isn't it? I'm, like, I'm no, never not sure that's a fandom no, trope. Is it not? no. Yeah, um, in this next episode that we talk about, he's fixing his Gaga shoe 
Oh, he, that's true. You know, and he let, does bedazzle Pavarotti's casket. I was going to say, which is a total... Yeah. Oh, I have a great note. Let's not spoil it. I have a great note about the parallel between the bedazzling of the shoe and how that works out for him, like, in that <laughs> moment, and then the bedazzling of the casket. We'll get to okay, we will, we will save that. I compl- <laughs> That's where it came from, though, was the casket. Yeah. I completely... How did I forget about that? Well, I don't know. Like, you know, we'll get to theatricality, but, like, Kurt is really into show and glitz and glamour. And when and he, and he's in his theatricality outfit, he has, like, a rhinestone stuck on his face. I know. <laughs> I really want to knock it off. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> it was distracting. <laughs> he's having all these emotional scenes and crying, and I was like, I really just want to take that thing off your face. Like, it doesn't work. <laughs> Um, A couple of things about Dream On that I want to mention just out of um, sheer on a tangent, and it's something I enjoy. Um, One is when Rachel is trying to find her her mom, and she makes this whole big um, thing about how it could possibly be, um, was Patty Lapone? Yes. Or Or Bernadette Peters. Or Bernadette Bernadette Peters. Yes, Patty Lapone, that's the person that that would have been great. Like, she should have been an aunt. For Rachel, mm-hmm. and um, I just love that she she's like <laughs> the thing about Mandy Patinkin and his, like, with Mandy, where Jesse was like, was Mandy Patinkin involved? <laughs> Maybe he was. I don't know why. I just always really love that little scene. I have to say, the, the casting of Shelby, I thought I, they could not have cast anyone better. Oh like, Lee and Adina look like the same person some, from some angles. I was like, it's perfect. It could not have been better. You, you know how that happened is that um, fans actually um, wrote to Glee yeah. to write and said they wanted her as Rachel's mom. And um, that's how, that's why that casting existed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's amazing. Um, and, um, I, I do have to say the, um, the music in this episode is fantastic. It's the, the one thing about this, this episode I really enjoy. Um, so, yeah. Well, and I love I, Neil Patrick I Harris. I wish we'd seen Brian Ryan again. <laughs> the Dream On duet, I think, is a good duet. Even though yeah. Will is wearing, um, chinos and, like, an undershirt that's a v-neck <laughs> with a vest. Um, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh, go ahead. I don't understand. I what I really love. For some reason, it just cracks me up. That woman singing her audition beforehand. <laughs> She's so wonderful. Yes, she was. Big Bender, that was great. Yeah. Let's get right to the point. Yeah. She uses her <laughs> Yeah, when I, I, I only really remembered the duet with Neil Patrick Harris and the joke, um, the Sylvester, the Sue Sylvester joke about her having a place that she can have sex with him, like Letterman. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and I, I guess I just forgot that I dreamed a dream was in this episode. I put it somewhere yeah. else in my brain, but like, oh right, yeah, that is so good. It really is good. Um, I even like sequence, uh, you know, when Artie gets to get out of the chair. Uh, they're like little flash mob. It's, it's really not that cheesy. Flash mobs were really popular at the time, but like, it's a really great dance sequence, and it's early enough on in the cast where like. You don't necessarily notice the cast members that are in there. Cause oh, yeah, because Heather Worth is in there. Yeah, like yeah. Heather and Harry, you know, they just show up and they're, you know, they're dancers just along with everybody else, but they don't, it seems like people blend in. Well, yeah. you know, the, ed- that the Kurt, rest of the cast. Kurt shows up sorry. halfway in there, too. Yeah. Uh, a couple of, I think Mercedes, Mercedes is in there, too. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. 
at the very end. Because they're doing their little head bob thingy. Yeah. But, um, and then um, I dream a dream a little a dream a little dream of me, which really was a really bittersweet thing for Artie, but it was a very nice production. It's sweet <laughs> so. and nice. And we got and to I see Mike Chang. We got to see I, Mike Chang do yeah. some dancing. Was, I, I mean, I'm always there for Mike Chang dancing. It was one of those things where like it's nice. She did a good job. It's sweet. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's forgettable. Like, it is kind of forgettable. And I feel bad that like that's the legacy of Tina because that's that's legacy. Oh, Tina. Oh, <laughs> but I feel like I've said that more often lately than ever. I because I feel really bad because Tina kind of just gets put in the background and I don't think of her very much. And I know there are people out there that really really love her, and I feel bad that they don't get. To I want to know who Jenna pissed off for them to completely change Tina's character <laughs> in the later seasons. Poor but Tina. the thing is that she got to be a character. You yeah. Know? Like, she suddenly, people were talking about her and doing things. And, and I think that, like, as an actress, it's probably way more fun to get to play the, like, wild and crazy person. Certainly more than just sitting in the chair and doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. and bobbing yeah. in the background, yeah. Mm. That's true. I was looking at my notes, and I found something that um, I completely forgot. Um at the very beginning, when Brian Ryan is going on about um, how, you know, you will never make it in show business, and Kurt and Rachel share a look to each other, and in my notes it says it looks like the same thing when um, Cooper Anderson don't, says, go, don't, don't go to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they share, share the same kind of look. And they're sitting next to each other. They are. For yeah. that look. <laughs> I think this is the only episode where Kurt actually is in it, but does not speak. Actually, yeah, I'm pretty sure that is. Sort of in the, yeah, he's very much in the background. Yeah. I know, because I, I, when I was doing my meta-series, I was, um, I go through every scene, and yeah, there's he doesn't have a single speaking line in this one. Which is, might be also why I'm not a huge fan of this one. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, for a Rachel episode, it has some... Like, there's just, you know, like, oh, nobody cares about Will. Sorry. No. <laughs> but, um, True, I he's think, the worst. I think they did a really good job of, like, having Jesse and Rachel move her towards this mother thing and really try and flesh out, like, why does she care so much about this mom, the mom role, this, like, incredibly gendered thing that she's looking for? Um, and I loved the tie-in. So, you know... She gets to hear that song. She then has a fantasy sequence where she sings this huge number with imaginary mom. And then, you know, the next episode starts and she's in a place where not only is there a person singing a song that's incredibly important to her because it's funny girl. It's the voice that she connects with her mother. And so it's just this like, wah, this tidal wave of like all of these things that she thought that she wanted falling into place in a really mm-hmm. big showy way. Um, and I like the way they did that with Rachel. Well, and then things don't go as well for Rachel. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, actually the Rachel, Jesse Shelby plotline is probably my favorite of the three. Um, I, my regards to anybody who's an Artie fan, but I, I'm sorry. <laughs> kind of fall asleep. Artie is, Artie is, problematic from beginning to end I think <laughs> there's yeah. things that I, I like I like Kevin McHale a lot I like his dancing I do like his voice but the character of Artie sometimes I find quite 
quite problematic. Yeah, and it's like, you know, he's fine as, like, a B character. But mm-hmm. just like with Tina, you know, there's there's just, there wasn't enough to latch onto for them to have more major storylines that were interesting, especially when you're in a big ensemble where there's some other characters who are just more interesting. Or mm-hmm. who the show, you know, like the showrunners are trying to tell the story about Will saving the Glee Club because the arts matter to everybody. Um, you know, the the weird stuff that they give to Artie and Tina at this time just doesn't have that same weight. I mean, it doesn't even have the same weight that, like, the Puck and Quinn thing has. Just mm-hmm. less. I mean, yeah. it just was less. Well, and I feel like they never really quite... The only thing that they seemed to consistently do with Artie was make him, like, the... I, I borderline misogynistic. Oh, like, you can take the yeah. borderline out of that sentence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, just when he got STDs, it, it just wasn't surprising to me no. anyway. But it wasn't Although, man, that episode, that episode was funny. That episode was great because it was, like, you know, actually something kind of interesting. So. Oh, boy. Okay, well. Right, get us on track uh, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess that wraps up our dream on portion, which I'm sure, um, our listeners are super compelling. Yeah. Super compelling. Fast forward. They don't, they don't really care about this whole theatricality part of it. I'm sure. (laughs) On to the twilight. Okay. (laughs) Theatricality. All right. Um, uh, I didn't rewatch it beforehand, so I'm going to be scrambling a little bit to remember. Um, is the first scene in the episode where the where Finn comes down, or was yeah. there something? Oh, that's what I wanted to mention. The episode with Tina. Okay, Tina's not allowed to be a yeah. We have to yes because Tina's plotline as he never understands anything thinks that Goth came out of Twilight, and then there's a really great like Twilight funny thing where Lauren Zeisses and a bunch of other people are wearing Team Edward shirts and vampire capes, <laughs> and they attack. I don't, somebody, I couldn't even remember who. And so for that reason, Tina can't wear, like, the brooch and the steampunk outfits. And it's like, you know, I'm frustrated because I'm like, that's not what a goth is, goddammit. <laughs> so it's great because, you know, they are talking about Twilight and the whole Twilight thing is just really Well, funny. and they did it to attract Robert Pattinson as well. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't what? just for Twilight. It was so they could get to Robert Pattinson's um, attention. Yeah, yeah. So that was this great. was the height of the Twilight it craziness. Is, it is. And I love I love Figgins. He's I love so Figgins perfect. too. And so the fact I, that he's just the way he talks about most of the stuff and the, the fact that he thinks vampires are real. Yeah. So therefore he has to Tina has to dress boring. I just and I love the bit at the end too when she's like this is how it's going to work and he's totally like freaked out. <laughs> But yeah, so it starts out. It starts out with uh, the Twilight joke and Tina not being able to wear what she wants. So it's like mm-hmm. this. This episode's going to be about expressing yourself. And then <laughs> yeah. you see Finn and his mom going downstairs into the basement. Oh. And yes, is there a car down here for me? I feel for Finn. I really do feel. I mean, there's a lot of things that Finn do in this episode that are not okay. Obviously, yeah, very yeah. not okay. But I actually think that uh, Kurt makes me extremely uncomfortable in this episode until the end when it sort of all unravels. 
But there's a lot of things that Kurt do in this episode where I'm like, dude, you're creepy. You are creepy. And I get why you're doing it, but you're creepy. Yeah. But like when Finn's been being bed, being led down the stairs and Carol's just like, Oh honey, no, there's not a car down here. We're inside. And yeah. then, like, and so, like, you know, they turn on the lights, you take off, was he blindfolded? Or his eyes shut? And there's Kurt and Bert, and they've got a sign, and Kurt's made hors d'oeuvres, and you can tell that Kurt is maniacal. He is out yeah. his regular logical brain. He has gone off oh, into fantasy yeah. romance land. I mean, yeah, the train has left the station, yeah. not <sighs> going anywhere but the place he wants it to fucking go. And Carol and Bert are so happy and in love. <laughs> They don't even notice, and Finn's just they like, don't even about the food. Well, I think the, and, the most telling line of that scene was when Kurt says, you know, they're going to redecorate the room, and we're going to make it into exactly what I want you to be. I, I mean, what you want to be. Yep. <laughs> you know? I got the exact like, line. I'm going to put together a, <laughs> I'm going to put together a palette that expresses who you are and who I want you to be. Yeah. Who you want to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm just exactly. like, oh, honey. Like, you well, are, I, I mean, poor Finn has had his whole life turned upside down in one yeah. moment. Oh, by the way, you're leaving your childhood home, and we're moving in with these new people, including this guy that has a crush on you, which makes you uncomfortable, uh, which is a whole different, you know, area. But still, I mean, if you take the fact that the whole homophobic part out of that, it's still creepy. He's having to move in with somebody that has a crush on him that he doesn't have a crush on back, right? Through the whole episode, you just see all this, all these stresses that Finn is under that mm-hmm. nobody else is noticing or, or no, there's nobody else in the room when he gets confronted with mm-hmm. bullies in the back. Like there's all these things that happen. And so you understand that like, it's the less than great situation. Like you can see there's tension building from the get go. Like mm-hmm. Kurt is not thinking with his logical brain. No. And, you know, he's in full, he's like, you know, he's he's got the laser focus romance mode. Finn is slowly feeling like the screws are turned on him, like things are getting tighter, he can't handle things, everything's out of control. Yeah, people and, already think we're boyfriends, he says, you know, like, yeah, people yeah. are already talking, and yeah, and for Kurt the popular kids, that's that, like, hard. The reason that Finn wouldn't want to be in the room with him is because of it, because it's Dior Grey, which, no, Kurt. <laughs> You're right. Not everybody can pull that off. You look gorgeous. However, and it's like the room, the room doesn't fit Finn, but neither does the room that he creates in his mind. But I have um kind of two, I have a really small point and then a really big one. So um the small one is, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, for whatever reason, at the end of season one, I don't know if the makeup people were just going crazy, but Kurt's incredibly pale. Mm-hmm. And in, in the scene um, with, when he's in the, the basement, it always sticks out to me because he's so pale against the gray, and it just washes him out. But it's worse than um, Funk and Journey, actually. But, but I'm like, what are you guys doing with the makeup there? I, I never really knew that. acne or something. He was still a teenager. Whoa, you guys, I'm so sorry. I think that's before Chris Colfer discovered sunshine and started going up. <laughs> Um, but the uh, the big one to put it kind of in a context, um, I always consider um, home laryngitis and theatrically theatricality part of the Kurt trio of the back nine. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know his whole arc 
up until this point, um, you know, was struggling with his sexuality, struggling with his dad, and after laryngitis, he's kind of solidified in, okay, I have a home, my dad's not going to, you know, push me away, um, I have this kind of foundation of unconditional love, I feel comfortable with myself, I mean, he has Mercedes, is a really great friend, he's been able to express himself through Glee Club and, and Cheerios, and so he feels all of this confidence that I, I don't think that he has um, really up until this point. And um, this is kind of a turning point, interestingly, because here he's at, like, the top of, like, feeling really great about himself. And then it's kind of all going to, you know, why don't why not try? That's why I think he goes a little haywire with his crush thing, because he's kind of got the blinders on. And it's all unfortunately going to blow up in his face, but and and, and then it turns another corner. Um, leading yeah. up in the season, it's like it's but, so good for him that he has this practice of, you know, like there's all, he has all this desperation, and you know he's inadvertently stressing Finn out. I don't think he's not trying to stress Finn out, but no. Kurt comes on strong. And right. Think about Rachel freaks Finn out, and he's receptive to Rachel. You know, like, and so it's just, just, it's really interesting to get to watch him really be, like, young and stupid and flawed in this way that I think that it's the place that people go, like, privately in their own heads, but he did it publicly with the other person. I mean, privately, still, it's still in the house. Nobody else knows about it, Mm -hmm. you know? None of the other Glee kids know about the room. They don't, you know, they know the kids live in the house together, but, like, that's it. And so it's still, like, a space for him to try out what it's like to, like, get to be romantic with someone. Yep. Well, and he also has a line in in this um, scene that says, if you're going to say something, say it loud, Mm -hmm. which, of course, it ties in with the theme of the episode, but I think that's you know, Kurt, he's like at this point where he's like, okay, I'm going to go all in and, and try it out. Yeah. And yeah. yeah he's going to give it a shot. Yeah. Um, one last thing about this scene. I love the end where they're like, do you, Bert's like, do you do game night? And Carol's like, sorry. <laughs> oh, I know. And then I Bert's like, Carol. I will beat you. <laughs> I, Bert, Bert and Carol are so obliviously clueless too. I mean, you know what, look, at poor, look at poor Finn's face. Like, he hasn't smiled the entire thing. He's wigged out. And uh, they're all like, let's go play Sorry. You know, I mean, come on now. But the thing is, like, <laughs> Finn always gets confused. He always looks overwhelmed. Yeah, so that's true. not really new. And Bert and Carol, let's be honest, these people are like, hot damn, send the kids down to the basement. We're going upstairs to our room. We're moving in together. You know, it's like second stage of life. You know, as soon as they're gone for school, we are going to be on it, you know? Like, the two of them, they are not necessarily making their kids a priority, because there's not, like, a huge problem. It seems like it's going to work fine, and they're legitimately just so excited about each other. You know, they're excited Mm -hmm. about game night. They're excited about the blending of these families. Everything feels, like, really, really possible, which is why it's interesting to watch the arc of, like, the parents, too, when we don't get Carol, but, like, when you see the parents with the extreme excitement and this huge crash at the end and like trying to sort out I wish we got to see how they sorted it out because like was Carol upset about that probably yeah, we, yeah. they do sort it out because eventually she's at Kurt's bedside not Kurt, she's at Bert's mm-hmm. bedside but we yeah. don't really get to see that in a way that um, 
That I would want to, because I would watch a whole whole show about Bird Carol. <laughs> yes. So would I. <laughs> um, well, and I'm kind of confused about logistics. Like, did they move in and then move out, or were they still? Did they ever? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Because well, I know they're not there very it... long before Kurt. I mean, because yeah. so this the episode, so the theme of the episode is Gaga for the week. So Kurt has one week. That's true. Thing. So, you know, they announced to Finn that they're going to move in, probably on a Sunday. And then, you know, Carol still has, I mean, you know, unless you're announcing it on the first of the month, like, you still have whatever where you're renting. I'm, I'm assuming she's renting, you know. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, you have all that time to sort it out. And I, you know, God knows what the timeline is between now and when Bert gets sick. But it seems like they just kind of go back to to staying where they're staying because Finn's in that same dumb room where like he's too tall for the room. Oh yeah. In, in, in grilled cheeses. He hasn't moved yeah, in yet. Yeah. He's back in the bedroom where he doesn't fit. <laughs> hmm. Maybe they don't move in until the, until Bert and Carol get married or something. No, that's but possible. yeah, that's definitely the room <laughs> thing is definitely a setback for the barrel relationship. I love calling the barrel. Barrel. I like barrel that. right through it. <laughs> Okay, so um, then we get into the first choir room scene where I love where they are trying to find um, Tina a new look and all the suggestions they oh, made. Yeah. Cowgirl. Cowgirl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Brittany's is something like Happy Meal No Onions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, go so for, I want to see that. <laughs> yeah. But I do but, love it, and I love that Kurt, you know, Kurt always knows everything about, like, the big female icon you know like he knew everything about Madonna he was going to launch into everything about Whitney Houston he knows everything about Gaga and he is like about to fucking explode when they say Gaga dude is so excited in his little jacket that's made (laughs) out of strip totally (laughs) and And then Finn's like I I love Pac's definition of Gaga (laughs) he's like isn't he a dude that just dresses funny (laughs) oh Pac like still Then there's Teacher Will who's like, oh, yeah, Gaga, that's a great way to help Tina find a new look. What the fuck is wrong with you, Will? Yeah. Well, and the best part, the best part of Will, that this is my Will Schuster sucks as a teacher for the week, at the end, he's like, I don't really know what this lesson was all about. Awesome. Awesome, Will. Good good one. You guys figured it out for me, and it's like, yep, that's there's the show right there. Yeah, yeah exactly, that's, and that's what you missed on Glee. <laughs> the kids are the teachers. Oh man, but yeah, I I even have this still where Mercedes is just like all excited too. It just cracks me up. There, everybody's all the girls are really excited. Kurt's already like, okay, so there's a man moving into the basement with him. He's excited about that. It's Gaga week. Kurt's having the best week of his life. Like, yeah. This is Kurt's. This is his greatest moment right now. And so I think he's just so excited about everything and all these possibilities. It leads him to making some of the really obvious mistakes that he's making because he's kind of in denial about some of the things that he's doing wrong. Because you know he's desperate and he he wants someone to like him and in a lot of ways like you know he could have been more chill about it he could have been better he could have been more respectful of Finn but that's not who he is if he's he's gonna say something he's gonna say it really loud so that that he gets to like you know he's gonna either get to the point or burn right past it 
You know? Yeah, and I mean, he does learn his lesson, I think, when you see later on with Sam in, in season two. Yeah. He sort of learns to pull back a little bit, right? And not... Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But, but the Kurt that we're at right now, he's like, you know, if he's going to if he's going to do something, he's going to really, really try it. And at this point, I think it's still harder for him to read. You know, he has so many things that he's bringing into the equation that he can't necessarily clearly read what Finn is telling him because he has this idea of Finn and this idea of possible boyfriend and this idea of big romance. And they're Mm -hmm. just clouding his vision. You know. Do you know what I think is really interesting, and something I find interesting about Kurt's um, character across the board, is that Kurt gets the chance to um, learn from mistakes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but in such an interesting way, because he has to go through all of this Finn stuff, um, this, what happens in this episode affects you know, not only duets with Sam, but how he is with Blaine when he first meets Blaine. I mean, think about if Kurt had been just, like, this crazy open with Blaine right off the bat, there may not have been a problem, but also Kurt gets to learn life lessons along the way. Or Adam. You know? Oh, yeah. Ugh, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, Adam. Oh, man. Ugh, Adam. I look You're forward to that cheap. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when we get to the part where it's like, uh, Kurt's, you know, he's now had all that life lessons, and uh, apparently he doesn't own a mirror, um, you know. Yes, he does. He's always he's looking. Like, in I don't anyway. know. I don't know what would be appealing about me to this other person who goes to Niata. Really, you can't think of anything. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> something. Well, but he. But, a- but I think yes, because of what he learned in a way or what he took away from this, he learns that he has to like step back and like play it cool and like really try and understand consent because this love, this Kurt does not understand consent. And Finn is not very good at saying to him, this is what my consent means. And (laughs) and it's, it's on Kurt to be paying attention to it. And Kurt's not paying attention to the fact that Finn's rebuffing the consent of like, these little yeah. steps towards emotional well, I mean, he takes a moist towelette and he goes to wipe his face off. I mean, that's incredibly, that is boundary pushing there. You know, you wouldn't do that to somebody, anybody. I wouldn't do that to a friend of mine without being like, can I take this off your face for you? You know? So, Kurt would do that with his girlfriend. Yeah. He has a level, you know, or if his dad had dirt on his face, he would do it to his dad. So the people yeah, that true. he's used to spending time with he has a more, more fu- like functional connection with people. Mm-hmm. So it's like he doesn't understand the inappropriateness because he doesn't understand his own inappropriateness yet. But that's true. But I did okay. So now, so we have the Gaga excitement, and then we go to Funny Girl, right? Um, we have our first. I think there's the first scene in the hallway with Karofsky and. Oh, wait. I did want to say really quick, jumping just before we leave that choir room thing, I just want to give a shout out to Rachel when she comes in and her, like, hyper hysteria, like, they bought Christmas lights and lace. Do you know what mm-hmm. that means? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Gotcha. And then when they and have Will's to do just it, like, and she's what like, are you on? And then she gets the she's like, I, and she's like brainstorming and she's snapping. She's like, paper, I need paper. I'm brainstorming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
No, right after this is the funny girl episode because they sneak into the vocal adrenaline practice. Oh, you're right. Yeah. And Rachel recognizes her mother's voice. And then there's Mm -hmm. that a great parallel between like, so now Rachel and her mom are like having this family connection and the Hudmals are having this family connection. And there's all this blending of families out of desperation and no one's really getting what they want, but like it's kind of churning forward anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never really thought about that. That's awesome. Yeah. But then again, I feel bad. I don't really think much about Rachel. But then we get to see, <laughs> so Finn goes to Will. So Will's in his, okay. I used to listen to Sarah and Amy do Glee. I stopped mm-hmm. listening to it after they kind of really started to hate Glee, but they were r- really fucking clear. It was a great podcast. And when this came on, they started referring to this as Will's Gaga closet because they didn't understand what room he was in. It's that office that also doesn't yeah, like him. Office, but he's yeah. just like in this dark room talking excitedly about Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> so Will's in the Gaga closet and then Finn comes in and he's expressing his discomfort. And again, he's like, he's not able to talk about, he's not able to get any of his things out to the people where it's happening, where it's mattering. So Phil's have, so Finn's having all this pressure, but like, so now he goes to Will about it. And Will, of course, can't help or pay attention because he's Will. And he can't mediate any other things because Will can't do anything. And, and Phil points, no, I said Phil twice now. Finn points out that, um, you know, as a guy, he's not going to want to do this Gaga thing. And Kurt might because, you know, he's not one of the guys. And, and Finn expresses that he, he feels like they're just always pushed around to do what the girls want to do. And you see the subtext of, like, he's being pushed around to do what Kurt wants to do. Mm-hmm. And Finn is rebuffing all of this, I don't know, for lack of a better term, girlness. And he's expressing it to Will so that he can have a different kind of performance. But that's not really going to, sorry, Finn, that's not going to solve the problem yet. You're like, you're not talking to the right no. person. No. <laughs> Nor does Will really understand the complexities of everything that's going on there either. No, he's, he's in the Gaga closet. He's so excited. He's learning about <laughs> the House of Gaga. He's learning all these facts. He's like talking really quickly. Um, and then we have the scene with Tina in the bubble outfit. Oh, oh the bubble God. outfit. And Kurt has the present bow in his hair. Oh yeah. I don't know how to say bow. I don't know how to distinguish between like a bow, like a regular bow someone might have in their hair, but like a gift wrap bow. A yeah. And it's fantastic. And they're so happy. They are. They're so confident as they walk down, you know, the hallway. And, and Tina, I give her credit. I mean, she's, like, not wearing much of anything. No. <laughs> I know. Really, what is under all those uh, balls yeah. that she's yeah. got going on there? But it's super interesting because they they push them. And Kurt's response is, pick on me. That's fine. But don't throw around a girl. Mm-hmm. So we have Kurt being put in the girl category. And then also, every, even though he feels affinity for the girls, you know, he's a, he feels masculine. And so he's like, I don't reject, I don't reject the things of some, some gender that isn't necessarily the gender people want me to be. Like, he's fine with femininity, but he's very much male. Yeah. And, like, that's hmm. something that they, they try and express really really well with Kurt as time goes on, like to kind of move away from a particular stereotype. I feel like they don't really get to the heart of it until Unique shows up and they're able Mm -hmm. to be like, and this is what it means when there's someone who like likes things that are feminine and doesn't identify as male. Mm -hmm. Right here. It's like, it's just this distinction where like 
you know, Finn doesn't want to be gay and he doesn't want to be a girl the way Kurt wants to be a girl. And then, you know, Kurt gets pushed around by some bullies and he asserts the fact that like, I'm not a girl, you know, and like, you can't, you can't push around this. Like he's really upset that they're hurting Tina and he comes to her defense in like a really strangely masculine way because Kurt has all these interesting parts and pieces to him. And, and their rebuttal to Kurt is like, you know, we can't really tell the difference between you and a girl because your outfits are weird. Yeah. You know what I can add to that, which is a little bit on a tangent, not necessarily about Kurt, but um, speaking to that, it you know, you've got the ingrained misogyny of society there, too. Yeah. Where, you know, it's bad to be a girl or, you know, it just. You know, or act like a girl, or men can't be effeminate, but why? Because being effeminate is bad, because being a girl is bad, or weak, or um, whatever you want to associate with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I so think I do Kurt thinks, you know, the difference is that Kurt thinks girls are great. Yeah. 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 He's really he's Here's really me. into girls, he's just not one of them, because he appreciates, you know, there's like a whole spectrum of things to appreciate, and he doesn't want to just be stuck in one part of it. And oh Here's my god... My to you guys, sorry, before we go on. No. Um, do you think that the writers had already started to think about the Karofsky storyline no, at that yes. point? I was just going to bring that up. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think so, but I could be totally wrong. They had um, no, there's no way, and it's, it fits so well. I, it's like maybe they went back and looked at some of those things because he says stuff about, like, Kurof, like Kurt makes Karofsky's eyes tired and is rubbing his freakiness in his face. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, and then there's like this super heavy back and forth, like about expressing yourself. And, um, and it fits so well. Like, I, it's really when I, when you go back and watch it and you see the way Karofsky approaches him, it just, it, it works. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, in, in season two, when Karofsky is, is really beating Kurt around, shoving him to lockers and stuff, there's always something on his, there's always something behind his eyes kind of thing, if you know what I mean. Like, there, you can always tell that there's something going on in that kid's head. Whereas yeah. at this point, I think he's just meant to be a jackhole, you know, like he's not, yeah, I, 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 don't, he I don't know if, I don't know if they've have... thought ahead yet. But if you I look at the way the lines are just are given out between Krofsky and Azimio, Krofsky's lines fit perfectly in his storyline. Well, you know, which kind of my take on it, I guess, which is a little bit different from both of yours. I do think that um, the bullying storyline was was something that they wanted to do in season two. I do think yes, that I agree with that it, yes. because bullying stuff really was a huge. I mean, it still is, but, you know, like, something that was really coming to forefront at the time. However, I think when you look at Azimio, um, comparative to Karofsky, Karofsky is kind of like a lackey, and uh, Azimio is the one who is, I, I find Azimio way more horrifying than, than Karofsky. Karofsky is kind of just a dumb loot that kind of follows Azimio around. Um, and I, you know, so they were going to do this whole kind of, bullying storyline do do i think that they knew that krofsky was gay i i don't know um i do know that there was always talk i mean there they knew that they were going to have a boyfriend for kurt 
and between in the summer because there was all this talk about because Sam was originally going to be the boyfriend and there was all this talk about it and yeah, it a was lot a of great people, summer for fan fiction let me tell you uh, <laughs> um, there's a lot of conversations about because uh, uh, I guess Ryan Murphy really wanted to do something with a closeted jock yep um, I don't know if that started in season two or if it started here I can't but I I Probably not. I do think it's a little bit different because, you know, in season two it is more pointed. But I do think the bullying and the focusing in on Kurt, because after this, the the um, whole shtick with um, the hierarchy of how cool is it to be in Glee and not and the slushies in the face, it kind of ends after season one. I mean, there's it's a different take on it in season two. and But, um, um, yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, when you go back and you watch this particular scene about, like, Karofsky being, the things that he thinks are being, the things that he thinks end up being challenged because Kurt is there and pushing these thoughts into his brain. Um, it's just a really, really interesting meta moment, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have to wonder... Um... Do you, how aware do you think Karofsky would have been of his sexuality at this point? I mean, enough that he's bullying people, but I don't know. He'd know. I don't know. I'm sure. He'd have an inkling that he's yeah. thinking about that kid too much, or he's, you know. But, I think uh, that I think that he ends up thinking about Kurt a lot. Yeah. I mean, how could you not? Anyway, because Kurt's like a lightning rod of kind of interesting <laughs> stuff, and... You know, we don't, you know, only later on do we get to see that Karofsky's, like, super into bears. But, you know. <laughs> but, like, you know, early yeah. on, you know, if you're, if, if you're the closeted gay man. I'm sorry, man, I'm still laughing about that. <laughs> if you're the closeted gay man and you have Kurt Hummel in your high school, that's got to be rough. I'm sorry. Yeah. This kid that's not ashamed to show who he is, and yeah. Yeah. well, and that's another thing I wanted to say. Um, Imagine the poor, like, out gay guys at Miata. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, that um, another culmination of arcs here because this this episode really does mark the end of Kurt's season one stuff. Um, is that at the very beginning of the season season and series, he's so. Yeah, he's wearing kind of outlandish fashion things, but that's kind of as a cover. And and this is really getting into the end of the season is really where he's starting to really be himself and show himself yeah. and standing up to Karofsky. Yeah, I mean, in it's, this but, you scene, know, you know, he, every time we, when they're fighting, Kurt doesn't look scared. But when you see him, when you when Azimio like he like punches the locker near his head, and you can see Kurt flinch, like he's trying, he's standing firm. But he's concerned because he knows that, like, he can't, he can't beat them physically. They're going to beat him up. He's going to get beat up. And, like, he's, like, a little bit scared, but he's doing his best to just, like, stand up for it. You know, and right. to protect Tina, probably not just because she's a girl, because she's his friend. Right. But also because, you know, he, he believes very firmly that you are allowed to express yourself however you want. And, like, right. he's going to stick with that point, and he's not going to give up on it. Mm-hmm. And see, in the beginning of season one, Kurt would not do that. I mean, he was getting thrown in dumpsters, and he would have never worn a Lady Gaga outfit mm-hmm. to school. And he would have, you know, maybe dreamed about it, but not really. And then if somebody, you know, he wouldn't have talked back. He would have just let them yeah. harass. I mean, him. you think of if you think of the two thousand nine episode, 
and this moment, it's so great. Mm-hmm. Like, because you get to see, like, the Kurt that slowly builds. And this is a fantastic moment. You know, he refuses to be anything else than what he is. And he was going to stand by Tina getting to do the exact same thing. And he's not going to be ashamed or bullied or talked down to in any particular way. And a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that Bert Hummel is around. And Bert Hummel is basically saying, you you go ahead and do the things that you want to do. And I will have your back. And he has that that unconditional love that, you know, by comparison, you look at Rachel, who's going through some really tough shit, and she doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. And it's so frustrating to not get to see Rachel's dad at this point or ever. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I'd like to know whether or not Rachel's, Rachel's get love. What we hear about is they saved all of her trophies and, you know, they were so proud of her and they've got this museum. But, but nobody tells Rachel that they just like her. Everybody tells her, you're so talented. You're so good. And so that's where all of her value gets placed. You know, whereas Kurt gets yep. all of these places. He gets his value placed in being a person. You know, you know what's interesting? taught a really different lesson. To think about that, because I've always thought that Kurt has more empathy and Rachel has more ambition. Yeah. Um, not to downplay that Rachel can't be caring because she can, and not to downplay downplay because Kurt, Kurt is very can be ambitious. pretty ambitious. Oh. Yeah, but that's, I'm definitely not going to downplay that. They, those, those, like, the skills that they have, I feel like they're able to use them more because that's what, that's what's been grown for them. All right, well, let's move on to the bad romance sequence. Oh, Um, Rachel's outfit. (laughs) Rachel's outfit is so great. (laughs) Staples together. I have to say, Brittany's lobster glasses are my favorite, but, um... I think I they all look special, amazing. I have a special place in my heart for Quinn's because that's my icon. Yeah, I you like that. What? I do love the pink dress. And her <laughs> I, lashes are amazing. And, you know, I didn't see any of these come up in the Glee auction. Or the Glee auctions, I should say. So mm-hmm. I hope that the cast members kept those things. <laughs> well, and didn't... Uh, okay, so I, I never... shoe is some... in his locker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God, I love that shoe. <laughs> um... Was it the Lady Gaga costumists that helped him, or the choreographers? Somebody from Lady Gaga's team helped them um, with this video, oh, or with this performance. But I can't remember which one. It doesn't seem like they would need the choreographers. They have a pretty great choreographer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to guess it was, I'm going to remember, if anybody listening wants to, like... This bad romance number is so good. I watched it twice. Yeah, it's really good. I love that we have to totally suspend disbelief that those kids could make those costumes all in their own. Oh, great. (laughs) They're already, they've got that great glee thing where it's like, the number starts. And I'm like, wait, when the fuck do they get in the auditorium? (laughs) I'm going to go on a really, really geeky moment for a second um, and talk about the actual um, music and arrangement and how they are using... Um, Santana and Tina and, and, and Mercedes lower registers mm-hmm. here and, and Quinn even a little bit and Rachel's kind of not in it as much and unfortunately neither is Brittany but I think that's you know no. I, I didn't think Rachel was really in it at all 
I mean, um, the back singer, does she have she a She is lineup? added. I mean, they don't do their typical, um, let's, you know, add in 50 different, you know, generic vocals in the background. Um, but they use all of these lower registers of these girls and then okay. adding a part in that. It's so just rich and amazing, and, and it really fits. The, I mean, like, I, I Lady Gaga's original I really enjoy, and this just matches it in just an amazing way. And I don't know. I just think it's, it's really great. cool. The song is really well done. The video it looks really great. They have all these, like, fantastic little dance moves. Um, and now I think this is one of the – I mean, I guess we did hear her before, but this is another – one of the first times we get to hear Santana's voice. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds so good on it. Yeah. Perfect so. for it. Um, the other thing I think is really interesting is, you know, the song Bad Romance, and it's about um, really just that, just having a really crappy romance, so kind of still being attracted to it at the same time. And I, I just seem like you can go almost through all of these characters, you know, Kurt and all the rest of the girls and talk about bad romances and, yeah. and stuff like this current time. I mean, cause well, specifically, I, I think it's meant to be about Rachel and Shelby and Kurt and Finn. Yeah. Right. But I mean, still, I mean, thinking that Santana is latching onto it yeah. and, and she's not out yet as a lesbian and, and, you know, and so she's, you know, dating Puck or dating, you know, trying to date guys, and, and it's just not, you know, not a good thing. But And then Quinn, you know, this the stuff with Quinn in there as well. But yeah. I don't know. I just think it's such a cool, uh, very strong performance for them all to do. It is. And, like, everything and, everything about it is good. Um, and I and love then, that, like, the boys are watching it, and Mike and Artie are going ape shit. They fucking yeah. love it. <laughs> and nobody else, like, the rest of the, they're just, like, con- concerned, scared, yeah, intimidated, Puck, Puck's I don't know. Yeah, at the end is quite interesting. He's just I mean, at one like, point, like, Kurt want? lays down and puts his leg up above his head. So, you know, <laughs> there's some stuff that Finn's probably having to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, well, shout out to Kurt's line, I'm a freak, baby. Yeah. But uh. also, like, you know, they're okay. So then there's all these straight boys. And Santana's wearing hot pants and lace. Like, that's I it. Know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, that, this and number a steak on her head. Very, very, like, actualized. Well, and they make the comment in the episode that all of these, um, all of these Coupons. I don't know where that came from. All of these costumes <laughs> um, uh, represent their personalities, and I mean, it's an interesting thing to look at how they dress themselves and how that is, you know, a reflection on their personality. Because Mercedes is dressed like an angel. Yeah, I think uh, I, just a mad shout out to Chris Colfer for having to walk in those shoes because oh I would break my ankle. <laughs> Didn't he hurt himself so uncomfortable? I can't imagine having to dance in them. I, you know what? But, I uh, take two steps in heels and I'm on the ground. So, like, yeah. anybody <laughs> do like a pump, I'm impressed with. I love when he walks down the aisle way, like, um, like um, when they do the whole model um, mm-hmm. runway thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, I like when they all do it. It's really. Yeah. Did you guys ever see any of the videos of the the after between season one and season two the Glee the Glee Live stuff? Not of season one. So no. when they did it between season one and season two, they did this number, and uh, 
Hersham, so Mike, the Mike Chang character is, he's in it in the red lace outfit that the vocal adrenaline people. Oh, awesome. He's, the ex, he's like the extra dancer. Oh, wow. Um, and so, like, in that one, they have, like, it's just, you should watch those. They're great. <laughs> yeah. I have to. You told me to do that last time. Oh, yeah, I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Which is nothing on you. It's just me. Like, I have to just do that. You just got to keep yeah, nagging me about it. It's interesting because, like, that seems like a really challenging number to recreate live while you're doing a whole other concert. And oh, they did that, and they've added in, like, yet another dancer. And so the Wait, little... did they do the costume changes, too? Yeah. They... Oh, my God. Yeah, no, they had on... The... That's what I'm saying, because, like, they're all in their Gaga costumes, and Harry Shum's in the red curtain. In the red Chantilly lace the... thing? Yeah, he's, like, covered in red, you know, like, but that's the body who's in there. Um... Because, you know, he's the dancer they have at the time, so they just toss him in. <laughs> you know, toss him in, he does a great job. Um, but it's cool, because you get to see, like, all the different little costumes again. Yeah. Now, right after this, though, the boys do their kiss number, don't they? Yes, because yeah. right after this, Finn gets caught in the bathroom putting on the... Oh, that's right. Well, and I... Because I mm-hmm. have a little note that um, Kurt's watching delightedly at how overdramatic the boys can be. <laughs> they just get up so crazy yeah. at kids' number. Yeah, it's great because, like, you get to see Finn, and he's, he's barely done anything, but there's... It's, you know, it's super ha- heavy-handed because it's Glee, but it's also maybe kind of the way these guys were taught. But the bullies are basically telling him that, you know... Doing all these things makes you less of a man, because here's the be a man thing that Glee loves to talk about. Like, it makes you less of a man. Taking part in Glee is like taking away his masculinity, and then they say that doing football and Glee makes you bisexual. There's great logic there. Um, But it's like, it's this external voice to all the fears that Finn's been having right before he does this number, like right before he puts on the makeup to do this thing. Um... And I think it's super important when you combine everything else that Finn does after this, because you can tell he is like, you know, he's so concerned about status. He's so concerned about all these things and he's losing it. And what's being tacked onto him are things that he doesn't feel are true for him. Oh. And then you, and then right after that, Oh, my headpiece fell up. Sorry. My little mouth thing fell down. And then, so like, it goes straight from Finn in the bathroom being told that, like, he's not a man to Rachel showing up with the costume that her mom made. And it's like there's this alarm going off. It's like, gender roles, gender roles, gender roles. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, I do have two to... gay dads. If you wanted to stereotype, one of them must be able to sew. You know? <laughs> like, I mean, come on, Glee, you're all about the stereotype. Who doesn't think that, that Rachel's dads are essentially clean? You know, like <laughs> I, I don't actually like that um, comparison, but I will save my I will bite my tongue on that one. Um, but um, no, I have to give a shout out to Matt Rutherford, who has 20 episodes in his first line, Yay! <laughs> Yay. which I don't remember I don't what remember it is. I think, you know, uh, you should give a shout out to Harry Shum in that outfit. Oh, okay. those outfits are shout unforgiving. Out. Unforgiving. He very he has some chain obscuring a little bit of crotch area, but aside from that, he's pretty much yeah. naked. Oh my god! I have to watch. I haven't watched the entirety of this episode. Well, he moves so- around so much, so you see a lot more angles of things. Oh, and so man. it's funny because there's this like super theatrical performance, 
So Kurt is in. Like, he's already into it. The boys are wearing crazy tight outfits. So is it like, you know, when Blaine wears the Lady Gaga outfit, like, 100 years later? No, no. Because it's, okay. it's a kiss outfit, you know, so it's all black. Oh, because it's all, like... It's a black... Okay. It's a skin-tight leotard with a belt. And the belt oh. just happens to be... Dang- like, there's some chain that's, like, just happens to be dangling in front of the crotch <laughs> so you don't see... But, like, it's funny when you go and you when you see the reactions, the people who are most into it are, like, highly sexualized Santana and Kurt. <laughs> like, they are fucking loving it. Yeah. Even um, though they don't care about Kiss. Not at all. No. I don't really care about Kiss either. Oops. Yeah. Sorry. Neither do I. I didn't think that the, the song, comparatively, I just, I, it felt a little generic rock and roll to me. But, but. It's a, it was a great choice for them. Oh yeah, dudes. like it's it's story wise. Yeah, like these are this is one of the few ways that dudes can have like can take on these roles without losing their masculinity. Yeah, they have to make themselves up to unrecognizable. Yeah, <laughs> and they have to have fire. <laughs> and like pyrotechnics yeah, <laughs> and really really loud music. <laughs> and did somebody smash a guitar? I don't remember. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> likely no, because then no, I don't think so. No, but yeah. But yeah, it's just like it's just a kiss song with Puck singing, so it's not like it's that exciting. <laughs> All right, so moving on, um, we go. This is the second time that um, Karofsky and Azimio uh, counter Kurt and Tina, and I don't. I mean, they obviously didn't like hit them, but uh, they had to have done something because Kurt's trying to fix his costume. They rough him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. I don't know if they rough up Tina. I feel like that doesn't really get discussed, but for sure, because you see Kurt with the glitter glue. You know, and he's he's bedazzling the shoe again. All the sequins. All the sequins. Mm-hmm. You can't. You know, if you lose one, it messes up the whole thing. You have the to. Whole he had that. Yeah. No, he had that shoe planned out. It has <laughs> to be exactly so. Uh, the poor person who really had to glue all of those on there. My heart is to them. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, so. I like that. Um, so he's. He's fixing his shoe, and he he basically asks Finn to be his knight in shining armor, and he's like, you know, can you tell them to stop harassing me? Um, really quick before we we get really into that, so Finn is down in in Kurt's room, so I'm wondering if they did move in, like, why else would Finn be there? Oh, I think they're living there. I just think okay. that, like, you know, like they. Okay, again, back to my point. Like, Bert and Carol want to be alone in the evening together. <laughs> they are in okay. the honeymoon phase, and so they're like, yeah, this week, Monday through Friday, we're all being in there. We're going to play Sorry and eat meatloaf, and then you boys go downstairs and do whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> oh, so tired. We got to go upstairs, you know? <laughs> like, that's what I think's going on. Okay. But, yeah, no, and, and as we were saying um, a lot earlier, Kurt is trying, unlike, um, he does a little bit in ballad and in a little bit at home, but he's really pushing here uh, his boundaries. Um, you know, asking Finn basically to, like, stand up for him, you know, the moist towelette thing. And, and really, the, the moist towelette comes after they've already argued. So Kurt's, like, not even, like, sensing or, you know. He's not hearing Finn at all. Yeah. Not, Read between yeah. the lines, honey. Yeah, he's like, he's putting Finn in this position that he wants him to be him. 
And then they absolutely have an argument because of Kurt's expectation versus Finn's reality. Right. And uh, Finn's, like, Finn says, like, I, you know, I don't want to do that because, like, they already think we're boyfriends. And you see Kurt look, like, shocked for a second. And then he kind of goes back to, like, whatever, they can do what they want. They're like, you know, in three years they'll be cleaning my septic tank. True, yeah. mind you. True, but, like, so there's this distinction of, like, Finn's, like, immediate reality that he's in, his high school reality. And Kurt's already, like, looking into his future because that's, that's what the world is for him. And the two of them are in very different places. You know, mm-hmm. Kurt's already in a headspace, in this headspace of, like, getting out. And Finn's not. And he has that great line about how, like, they live in a state where the vegetables are all fried. Yeah. And Kurt has to just, like, understand that that's reality. And he really wants him to blend also, in. Kurt's not realizing. I mean, Finn is being bullied by the same people that are bullying him. Yeah, but you nobody, know? And yeah. nobody sees that. Exactly. Nobody sees that. And, and Finn doesn't want to appear weak. You know, so he's mm-hmm. not going to tell people about it. You know, he goes to Mr. Shu and says, like, I don't want to do girl stuff so he can do this other thing. But, you know, Finn's giving all these signals, but Kurt is, he just, he doesn't, he's not paying attention to the level of consent that Finn is giving him. He's doing a really shitty job of it because he's still in this romantic headspace. And so, like, they quibble about this stuff and Kurt just, he doesn't want to give up on it. And he sees, he sees Finn struggling with the makeup and he's like, you know, once again, like, my way is the best way. He calls, he says that he's being such a boy and goes, yeah. clean him up. And, like, it's kind of mothering, but also kind of, like, intimate. You know, way too close for comfort. So Finn, like, you know, kind of, like, smacks him away. And and he looks conflicted after he smacks Kurt away. Like, he doesn't want to have to be that person. Mm-hmm. But then he just storms out. Mm-hmm. And then, it's, Eddie- you know, and Kurt yells at him to, like, grow up. And he kicks a chair. Which is great about yeah. Finn kicking chairs later. Everybody kicks chairs. Um, adding to the complexity, though, is that Kurt is somewhat hiding. He Kurt, deep down, I think, gets that um, Finn is straight. And he's just desperately trying to hold on to his fantasy. But he is kind of masking... Um, how do I put this? He is using the fact that he wants to be himself as a, as an excuse, in a way, to try and further his experimentation and how far he can push his boundaries with Kurt. Am, am I making any sense with that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, it's it's just such a strangely complicated, you know, not black and white situation. Well, it's like, you know, they have this argument and you see the first time where Kurt maybe starts to get the fact that Finn is not going to be his boyfriend he's not going to be that person for him and he still kind of wants to cling to a little bit and he's really upset that it's not working out but Mm -hmm. it's like you can tell that he's starting to get it but he's not quite ready to give up on the fantasy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's a shame he pushes so much that in Mm -hmm. the end when finn explodes it's you know it's ugly yeah Yeah. and I, i think i mean i don't I don't know, you know, when, when Bert was, is saying to Finn, you know, you, you drop that word, you use that word, I use that word, I get it, but, you know, when Finn's like, no, I would never call her a retard, and I would never, you know, I would never use the N-word, I would never, um, but, you know, it's obvious that um, he he's using, I, I don't think Finn would use that word in every day, you know, I, I think he was just so pushed so far yeah. that, 
you know, I mean, it's just, it's problematic all around. He shouldn't well, be using Arima, that word, said, but at the same time, you know. Maybe a couple of years ago with Finn, he might have. But Finn doesn't, he doesn't try to be mean in particular ways. And yeah. he does really like Kurt. I mean, he does it's, like Kurt. I think he it, does, yeah. It's just, yeah, he's very bad at handling I mean, all I, of these. And, and like, as someone who, like, I see... Glee has so many parallels, and I totally appreciate them, but I, I really like how we have... So in this scene, Kurt is fixing his bedazzled shoe, and he's pushing for a certain reaction. And then, you know, later on, we have Kurt doing this bedazzled bird coffin thing, and instead of pushing for a particular reaction, he just asks the question and lets it sit there. And things work decidedly differently based yeah. off of those approaches, you know, also based off of the people that he's interacting with. But it's, like, two different points where Kurt is, like, like, basically, like, working on a project. And in one project, the project is Finn, and another project is just, like, being okay with how things are with mm-hmm. this other relationship. And uh, I, I like the fact that we get to see Kurt make so many really big mistakes, because I think you see him kind of, like, put the pieces slowly together, even throughout this episode. Well, that's the thing. He never, he never, uh, he obviously learns because, you know, there he is. He's in love. He says, I'm in love with Blaine and he's actually gay, but he never pushes Blaine. He never, you know, he waits for Blaine to come to his own conclusions, you know, and, you know, Blaine eventually gets there. So he did learn from this whole, you know, because he could, he could have been like, all right, well, this kid's gay. So let me try this. You know, it didn't work with Finn because he was straight. But maybe it would work with Blaine because he's gay, and he didn't do that at all. Yeah. Yep. And that's the one thing, like, I don't know if it's just, you know, when you're in fandom in real time, like, things of the past sometimes get lost, or, you know, you get sucked into one fandom view or another, but I feel like when you get to see the whole thing um, as a complete unit, and I just love watching how this whole season one Kurt stuff affects everything that happens in season two and then beyond, and I just... Yeah, this is um, maybe closing up the arc for season one, Kurt, but it just affects so much what happens to him later on. Yeah. I just think it's cool. Um, and then one last note before we move on about the uh, Kurt kicking the chair, and then he says, grow, it, grow up. I think that a little bit is to himself, too, because he is acting somewhat childish, too, right there. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So I think, and then... I think we we go into the basement scene. I don't think Kurt is in anything. No, I think that's only, a lot bigger. Yeah, the part only of scene in between is Will giving Shelby bad advice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in typical Will fashion, Will pretty much gives her advice as like, be sure to be honest in a way that hurts Rachel's feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, don't, Rachel can sing, so she'll be fine. Yeah. Oh boy. I don't know. I don't really understand Shelby's. I guess I kind of do, where she's like, "Oh, I want to, you know, reconnect with my daughter." Oh wait, never mind. I don't. But oh well. Okay. Um. So pressure than she was assuming it would be. Something different. Yeah. Um. So we get the basement thing, and Kurt walking down here. He says he skipped school to do this. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. And I bet like flip on of the lights. And. You know, he's like, I want to, he just, he wants it to be like this fresh start, this like romantic fresh start. And from the get go, Finn is like, holy shit. And Kurt just 
he doesn't notice. No, and I think, like, you hot. know, as a, as a watcher, you know, like, oh, this is going to go so badly. Yeah. Like, you can just tell it's going to go he's badly. He's made a seduction layer. I mean, that's yeah. what he's Pretty made. Much. And it's really sad because Blaine would love this. <laughs> <laughs> that, I wrote in my notes. You're like, oh, you need a Blaine so bad. He would be so fucking into this. <laughs> I wrote in my notes. What did Kurt think was going to happen for Finn to be dazzled by his decorating skills? Yeah, seriously. Also, like, there's nothing functional in the room. Where are the beds? There's just, like, I know. couches. They're sleeping it's on, uh, yeah, couches. <laughs> I wonder if they did that on purpose, though. I mean, as, like, romantic atmosphere as this is, they didn't... Well, they're like, what kind of bed was he going to put in there? Queen size? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? But... But yeah, oh my god, it's so good. Because like, then there's Kurt who's like talking about how like it's a great blend of like the masculine and feminine because he can handle those things. Whereas Finn's like, I can't be here because I am masculine. He's, he's like, I can't leave her. I'm a dude. And Kurt, yeah. Kurt's heartbroken, and like he doesn't necessarily get it, and he's defending all of his little things like the privacy partition that has holes in it, like. <laughs> well, well, and I also think. Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was just going to say, it reminds me a little bit of when he makes his kilt um, for prom, right? Mm-hmm. And he works really, really hard on something, and people's reaction is like, oh. you know? <laughs> Although I have to say, Kurt, Finn has learned by then, because he's the one who's like, dude, you look awesome, like gay Braveheart, right? <laughs> but um, Finn has grown, too. Finn has grown, too, exactly. But it makes me think, you know, Kurt works really hard on these projects. And then when people's reaction is like, oh, okay. You know, he doesn't react very well. Well, it's interesting because, like, you know, this is Kurt's, I'm going to use a sports metaphor, his Hail Mary pass. Because he's like, you know, I don't know. You can tell that he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to go for this thing and and see how it is. He's going to you know, basically state who he is as comfortably as he can. Because when he gets called on and he's not honest, he's like, I don't understand what you're talking about, Finn. But, like, he goes for this really big statement to see what Finn's reaction is. And then, you know, he's disappointed because Finn's reaction is incredibly negative and he gets defensive and he acts like he doesn't get it. But as soon as Finn says, like, you know what's going on, don't play dumb, Kurt looks guilty as shit. Like, yeah, that's a Kurt thing though yeah. he will not if he can take blame for it I mean like yeah. he and I don't know it, he just doesn't like to bring things on himself even when he knows he's in the wrong it's, it's just a trait it's of his fantastic mm-hmm. that Finn is able to call him out on it and expo- like really explain the things that he's uncomfortable with I thought it was weird that he points out that he puts on his underwear in the bathroom because that is still a lot of skin Finn you're coming out of the bathroom yeah. just your underwear like <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I believe that Finn gets fully dressed in the bathroom. In the bathroom. <laughs> but um, but it is also interesting that like you know Finn's talking about all this like highly sexual stuff, and Kurt's generated a romantic space, and you see it does play into yeah. a bit of the way that Kurt is, where it's like Kurt was like, oh, I wasn't talking about having sex with you exactly. I wanted to the romance and the hand-holding and the good lighting of this room and the lounging around. And Finn goes right to the place where, you know, it would go if Kurt was, like, slightly more comfortable with that. But, like, this is as, as far advanced as Kurt can handle sex in real life because he already... Yeah, right. got the muscle magazines from Abel Road, so we know. 
he's got some other situations going on in his brain. Like, he's not completely oblivious, but, like, when it comes to actually being with the boy, it seems like all he really wants is for Finn to say, I am your boyfriend, and sit in this room with him. Mm-hmm. Right. So and there's a the step like, of wearing, you know, coming out of the bathroom naked, like, it, like, almost shocks Kurt, because it's, like, he couldn't, he didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think on top of that, making it even more complicated, Kurt wants somebody to, you know, hold him and touch him and say, hey, you may be this, you know, unusual person, but I still like you and love you, too. And when, you know, and he wants Finn to be that so badly, but this is also, you know, the first of that fantasy idea, too. Yeah, and he wants someone to appreciate the way he expresses himself. Mm-hmm. And Finn yeah. doesn't. He doesn't. He can't appreciate this. Because he's not paying attention to the fact that the, that this is not what Finn would want. Right. You know what's interesting also I have in my notes? Um, how him, how homophobia manifests in different ways, too. Not to... I mean, obviously, there's a lot of problematic things with the current end of things. But um, just where, here, like, Azimio and, and Karofsky are, are outright, you know, you're weird and gay and I don't like you. But, like, a lot of the stuff that Finn says... Um, is like, you know, uh, the ingrained societal, you know, you act like a girl and you like boys and that's wrong and that's bad and I'm really uncomfortable with it, not just because you have a crush on me, even though that is the big part and, like I said, I'm not downplay- downplaying Kurt's problematic aspect of it, but, you know, that's where Bert, when Bert comes in, Bert's also talking to himself a lot too because he had to overcome a lot of... Yeah. Um, ingrained homophobia stuff too and i just think it's interesting how this episode kind of contrasts the two yeah i mean Mm -hmm. i think it's great that they point out that like for finn the lamp is hard for his heterosexual masculinity like the lamp and the blanket and all these things that kurt's been able to be fine with like those are serious threats to him and and the way that he's able to see the world he's fine with kurt doing kurt and 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 having you know if this was just Kurt's room, Finn would be like yeah okay whatever. But like he can't accept being in that scenario, so he yells at a blanket and he yells at a lamp. And I think that the way he does it actually makes Kurt understand differently than he would have necessarily understood. I think that things had to really come to this really honest gnashing point mm-hmm. in a way where you you almost feel sorry for Bert for for Finn. When Bert comes downstairs, because what Bert, when Bert asserts the safe space of the house, he's a hundred percent right on with it. But mm-hmm. you know, where does Finn go? Like what? Yeah. What, how does that get? Oh, how does that get worked out? And like I understand, you know, Finn has every possible privilege in the world, so there's only so much sympathy you can have for him having to like have all these struggles, you know. And clearly, at this point, he's like, you know, one of he's like the male lead of the show for the younger kids, and so. All of his struggles are super, super important. And the fact that, like, dealing with weird people is hard for him is going to be brought up. But it is, I, I, think that, I think that they did a really good job showing what Finn had been going through right up until this moment. So he didn't just look mean in this scene. But also right. the way that he was bad is also not okay. And Bert shows up and just levels everything. I mean... yeah. And, Bert and just, been... he cuts right to the point of, like, what language means and what the expectations are. And when he says, this is our home, he is my son, 
like I I like jaw on the floor when I first saw that because it was such a really great definition of why safe spaces are important. Well, and looking at the whole um, again, looking at the whole series up until this point, you know, Bert has been dealing with it. I mean, he he's always loved his son, and he's always on some level known that his son was gay or and likes all these things that Bert doesn't necessarily like or think Bert thinks is odd. But the whole season has been the two of them trying to kind of come back together as this family, and this is you know the topping that that arc where you know what, I'm going to protect this, my son the best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is another reason why he lashes out at Finn so much. And you know, Finn, so Finn leads, and Bert looks around, and you can tell that he does not get it. Yeah. And he says, the place looks great, and like, pats him, and walks mm-hmm. up the stairs, and then you know all the tears. <laughs> well, and you have to think, though, that Bert, too, I mean, that's, not only is he angry and extremely disappointed, but, you know, he knows he's losing Carol over this, probably. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah. he, I mean, all of that happiness that you see at the beginning where yeah. they're so happy together and we're going to be this family that has game night and blah, blah, blah. All that crumbles in one yeah. word. Right? Like, yeah. all, Finn just had, had to say that one word and his whole happiness crumbled. Yeah, so, Gordon Carroll had their honeymoon week and then this is how it ends, you know? This yeah, is the end exactly. of the week. Yeah, so, it's so fascinating. Like, where does Finn go? What does Carol say? What's happening? Yes. I know. Uh, where does that like to take that conversation? Something I noticed. Carol, they can't stay here. Yeah. Something I noticed well, at the end of this scene is, you know how um, in between scenes they often have, like, the school bell ringing? Mm-hmm. Because it's different. At the end of this scene, they have this, like, it sounds like the closing of, like, a jail door. Like, law and yes. order or something. It's like... Oh, wow. Like this finality, which, yeah. you know, it's a different kind of scene transition, but it was perfect because it's not like they cut to commercial, I don't think. Did they, I, did I, don't they do? I don't know. I watched it on Netflix. I was watching it on Netflix, yeah, so I can't remember. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like in, instead of the like bell ringing transition or some other kind of thing, it's like, it's like well, that sound maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that sound. Sorry, that's my cat. <laughs> Uh, and it was just uh, it's it's sometimes Glee does these really little things that I think are kind of important. But I you know I give a lot of credit to um, the writing of season one because this is kind of the the climactic point of Kurt's arc and the whole season and it just combines the Finn crush and his stuff with his dad mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I mean it's just amazingly acted from all three actors. I mean, you see the complexities in all of their faces when this is all going down. And I, I just makes this episode so great to me. Is this, this scene as hard as it is, because it is such a hard, I remember when I first watched it, it was kind of like, Oh my God, like you feel uncomfortable, you know, throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, cause nobody's perfect in that scene. No, you know, right. I mean, nobody, even, even Bert who comes off as pretty perfect, but he, you know, doesn't listen when Kurt says, Dad, I didn't take it that way, and he doesn't give Finn a chance to sort of, you know, not that there's a lot of defense for what Finn says, because there isn't, but, you know, he's also not taking into account that this this kid just had his life turned upside down. And, yeah. you know, so nobody's, nobody's perfectly right in that scene. Nobody's totally wrong in that scene. Nobody, you know, so it is, that's a complicated one to sort of analyze. Yeah, I really like the fact that they have Kurt say, like, I didn't take it that way. 
and Bert still explains mm-hmm. like, yeah, but that doesn't like in some ways that doesn't matter because there's something there's a piece of this you're not seeing, and then they really flesh it out so well. Yeah, and I think it's one of the moments because sometimes Glee will make a point uh, like um, I'm blinking on, but I'm sure there's there's one out there where they get really PSAE with their theme uh-huh. or whatever. And I I mean this is one too, but I don't think it's as in your face as other really blatantly cheesy moments. I, I no, think I mean, it's a, it's a dad sticking up for his son at the, at the core of it, right? So. Right. Right. So. Um, oh, I was just thinking about Bert and Carol, and it's interesting because the next time we see Bert and Carol, I guess, is the grilled cheeses a little bit, but, um, and then Fert when they get married, so I guess this didn't hurt their relationship too much, but I yeah. bet they did, like, well, they, have a lot they clearly it. took a step back because Carol and Finn live back in their crappy house, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, and then he proposed. You wonder so if clearly they, they all, decided I mean, that they needed to slow down. I would have <laughs> loved to see them all sit down and talk, about, you know, and finally say, instead, of, I mean, they sprung that. The one thing I really feel bad for Finn is that they sprung it on Finn, right? They, there wasn't even a, you know, what would you think if, you know, it's, you know, what would that look like? Well, they just were like, okay, we're moving in. Yeah, and right. so you wonder if they, when they decided to do it again, whether they sat down as a foursome and talked about, okay, this is what it would look like. This is what it means. This is where your room would be, you know, like gave them a chance to talk instead of just throwing it on, you know, this yeah, hormonal teenager. <laughs> In between now and the wedding, I think that they take a step back and they do more stuff to kind of, like, incrementally make everybody okay with it. Because, yeah, Finn's so out of it. Like, dude thinks he's getting a car. No, you're not getting a car. You're getting a Kurt. Sucks. You're getting a Kurt. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) A very intense, bedazzled Kurt is what you're getting. Yeah. I wonder how much of it, too, was Kurt, like, you know... Bert saying, oh, I really love Carol and whatnot, and, and Kurt being like, oh, well, what if you guys move in together? What if you, you yeah. know, that kind of thing, too. Was he behind that? Oh, God, there goes my cat again. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the special appearance of the cat. <laughs> yes. Say hi, Percy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, you know, you would hope that when they decide to do it again, that they take the kids, you know, into account a little bit. And, uh, yeah, that Kurt well, is able must. to look at it as a blending of a family and not like, ooh, it's the boyfriend. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? They must because their wedding vows are mostly about the sons. It's yeah. true. But I also, I'm sure, even in season two, they, Kurt and, and Finn have a better relationship slash dynamic between the two of them. And I'm sure Bert yeah. and Carol see that. Yeah. All right. So you know, and also interestingly, when we we go on from the scene, um, the next scene we have is the choir room scene, and Finn actually is trying to reach out to Kurt to apologize, mm-hmm. and then Kurt just shuts him down, and he kind of does that thing where he's like, "I'm not going to take responsibility for your bad actions," and and being really stubbornly obtuse about the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a part. I think there's a part of Kurt where. He, like, the romance is over. The crush on Finn yeah. is, is dead. Yes, the stars, the stars and he, totally fell from his eyes. Yeah. yeah, and so he's just, like, 
he's getting over like a little bit of what's going what had gone on with him but also like in his own sense and you know he says that he says to Finn like I thought you were different and that's as much about Kurt as it is about Finn mm-hmm. um but it's so clear that he's just like you know he he's he's frustrated by all the things and he's he's unfortunately I think being shittier to Finn than he really should be but Kurt still mm-hmm. needs the big theatrical gesture I mean that's who he is you know and he's mm-hmm. and he's also a teenager just like everybody else and it's been I guess one day but like you know like it happened last night so mm-hmm. I also Kurt, think Kurt definitely seems like he needs time to cool down yeah. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Well, we know, um, well, we know Finn, or, you know, Kurt hangs on to shit. So, yeah. <laughs> he does. Kurt, oh, there is I, one feminine trait that Kurt does have, and that's that yeah. Kurt hangs on to shit. <laughs> um, I, it, this does, this kind of resolution of, of, of the, the crush stuff is also what leads into duets a bit, because yeah. um, Kurt doesn't take any response. How do we put this? Uh, he doesn't seem to take as much responsibility as he probably should about the crush, and then but then Finn later on in duets, I don't think is totally appropriate when he says, "Oh, you can't act, act anything like that with Sam." Yeah, I like the two of them. No one's really being accurate. The two of them are still kind of pushed to the edges of an argument. It's a little right. more realistic, but mm-hmm. and then like, is this the scene where where the puck sings to Quinn? I think it. I think that was earlier. In no, the I think that is. I think you're right. That's when Puck comes in and says, "You know, because, I want. I have something to say to Quinn." Oh yeah, that's yeah. Exactly. So then we get a, That's boring. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. So like, so we have the A B C plots. You know, and this is clearly the C plot, but it's another one. So we have Rachel trying to connect with family, and the last thing we know is like Shelby's about to give her some bad news. Mm-hmm. Then we have this incredible Hudmel family scene, like that is. So much more fleshed out and amazing than anything Rachel's ever going to get. And then we have this bit with Puck talking about what it means to be a man, but also to be a dad and to be around. And it's like he's talking about, like, what a perfect father ought to be. And it's totally exactly what Bert Hummel is. And so there's this, like, really heavy-handed, like, fatherhood, manhood meta thing. And then we go into the poker face scene where it's like... Rachel gets nothing. <laughs> she just gets rejected. She gets a cup, you know, and she gets praised she gets for her long. talent. She gets praised for her talent, but emotionally rejected. After everybody right. else has all these, like, the rest of their arcs are about, like, bringing together and growing together and being together. And hers are absolutely, well, you'll be fine on your own because you can sing really well. And I just, uh, the awkwardness of singing Poker Face at that moment just seems it's a gorgeous arrangement. I really like the arrangement, but the song itself doesn't really fit. Yeah. No. no. It's funny. Like, but no. they had to prime a Gaga song in there, so they picked that one. I'm sure there's got to be, I guess, just because that was such a big one at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, um, and then we do get the resolution of the Tina stuff, too, when she <laughs> comes back, pretends to be a vampire, and, Figgins lets her off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> and and hilariously that Tina, you know, chooses her um identity only to or her look only to change it again, you know, even next season. Yeah. So. Poor Tina. Poor Tina. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so then we get um, the the last sequence um, where Zemio and Cross come up, and Kurt's alone this time. Yeah, and I think they're uh, gonna beat the crap out of him this time. Yeah, yeah. I think, and it's interesting because Tina being there actually probably prevented them. Mm-hmm. Like they they have some boundaries, and one of them is probably not to beat up a girl. Um, and, and now that she's not there, they're just gonna. And yeah. they, you know, they warned Kurt, and. They were like, you know, we're warning you, but, like, you know, you're threatening our masculinity here, and now we've warned you, and you're still not doing it. And his response is, no, then you're just going to have to beat me up, because, like, I'm not going to change. Which mm-hmm. is tough as shit. Go, Kurt. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which is, yeah. And is, is such a reflection of what comes next when, uh, you know, he follows Karofsky into the bathroom in season two, yeah. right? And yeah. says, what the hell is your problem, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. he, I mean... Kurt is able, when pushed far enough, is definitely able to just, you know, tell them like it is and stand. And it's the second time he says to them, you know, or I guess season two is the second time he says to them. So this is the first time that he says, you know, you can't beat this out of me. It's the best part about me. I am who I am, you know, and you can smush my face in all you want. It's not going to change anything. And it's super interesting because then we have the scene you know, because Glee's got the heavy-duty, like, be a man, man, manhood kind of meta. And there's, like, mm. these two people who are being men because they're going to crush him. And then there's Kurt who's, like, standing up and being a man. And it's like, are we supposed to choose who's the most man here? Is that <laughs> Those are the only options, I guess. Like, Kurt's the man because no matter what, mm-hmm. he's going to be himself. And, like, it's just, there's... It's funny to me how much this show Glee is about masculinity and concepts of masculinity because I think that's not really what people consider it to be about, but it comes mm-hmm. up so much. Um, I feel like that's what the writers wanted it to be about, whereas everybody else wanted it to be about something else. I don't know. That's just my take on it. Yeah. Um. One thing that always stands out to me about this scene, though, is that, like, yeah, Kurt is definitely, I mean, holding his own against these guys is pretty amazing. But then, like, what has Kurt wanted this whole entire time? Some knight in shining armor to show up. And here's Finn in a red curtain. In a red curtain. (laughs) (laughs) And and the look on Kurt's face when when Finn is defending him, he's all, uh, like demure princessy i mean yeah i mean very loving like a fucking superhero Mm -hmm. in a crazy shower curtain dress and a mask on and it's highly (laughs) theatrical and it's everything it's everything kurt could have ever wanted but he but Mm -hmm. kurt finally understands that you know he's not going to bone this your friend and you're getting what you want in a different kind of way but this is not going to be the romantic connection that you want and like you can see him appreciate the fact that you know finn is standing Standing firm with his, like, this is not a romantic connection, but we are brothers. I mean, this is when the brotherhood really gets going, like, from this point on. Mm -hmm. But it's great because Kurt is shocked. He's like, oh, my God, like, what the fuck is that? They're all, the three of them are all so shocked because Finn, well, he's, like, eight feet tall, too. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Like, he just looks. He's a little intimidating. And that's a lot to take in. I mean, that's a lot of red. Yeah, that's a lot. It was great. And in a shower. What kind of shower curtains did it have? Know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who made that? Shelby? <laughs> His mom, I'm sure. Carol. No, I got to make this up to you. Uh... To get off the acid wash and change things. Oh, Carol. Maybe he found the pattern. Maybe Kurt had already made it. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I love that the Glee, the Glee Club shows up to, like, threaten them, and the bullies walk away, and Mercedes is, like, waggling her head, like, you better, like, get the fuck out of here. Or, like, what is yeah. she going to do? Is she going to oh, attack them? That just occurred to me. Mercedes is almost all but absent in this episode. Yeah, she's very, you barely see her. Yeah. And, I mean, again, here's the trend of Kurt getting an A-plot and Mercedes being absent. Mm-hmm. But she's there. She just doesn't get to say anything. Yeah. Well, I just meant that the, the trend in all of these episodes is that whenever Kurt is singled out and getting his own storyline, Mercedes is not a part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she, they only get, like, B-plots together or the background moments. Because Mercedes uh, could have been walking with Tina and Kurt any of those times. Right. Oh, well, and you know what we didn't really mention at all? Uh, I mean, um, before we get to the very end, and is Kurt and Tina's friendship. Because you don't really see much of them up until this point. No. So, and, yet and that together. friendship definitely deteriorates. As the, I mean, that's <laughs> part, of, part of Tina's, like, decline into the seventh circle of hell. But... <laughs> You know, also, like, they, they're not, I mean, I, I feel like at the end of the series, Kurt tolerates her at best, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, think about, like, so they have sleepovers. Tina's never invited. Yeah, that's true. She's not there. So, yeah, yeah it's like. Maybe Tina's just, like, never all that great or irritating. I mean, my my decision is that, like, the reason that Kurt and Tina are together so much and that they both have, like, math right after that in the same classroom <laughs> You know, so, like, you're not necessarily walking with your best friend, but she'll do, and she's fine, and, you know, she's, right now, she's interesting to him, because she's got on the bubble outfit. I was gonna say, maybe Kurt helped design, like, you know, Tina's like, hey, Kurt, help me design this thing, and he's like, oh, yeah, I mean, anytime a makeover's involved, he's there. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that, like, at some point, they, Will says that they all look great in their costumes, I would just believe that Kurt made all of those. <laughs> So that's probably yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think right now, like T- Tina, she's just she's just more interesting to Kurt. Yeah, by next you know episode. But yeah, I love that's that. Cool. Like you know, Kurt's getting threatened, so Finn shows up, and then the Glee Club shows up, and Mercedes like all like Mercedes is gonna kick someone's ass apparently. Oh and yeah. Finn, Will, what were you not? Are you just a slow walker? Did you have to pee on the way? <laughs> like what the fuck? Where have you been, yeah. Will? And then he shows up and he's like, well, I guess you guys taught me the lesson again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, what, the, what the fuck do you do, Will? I know. I could do, I could do an entire I Hate Will Schuster podcast. Like, okay. <laughs> he's the worst. <laughs> we should do one. Oh, oh my gosh. Just like get it all out. It, it would just be a lot of screaming over at each other and all of us agreeing on the oh, same thing. I mean, yeah, seriously. But you know what? It'll be just a continual um, repetition of that Kendra gif where it says, I hate you, Will. I, mean, I hate you, Will! <laughs> but I mean, just every episode, I'm like, oh, teacher of the year. Oh, teacher of the year. Oh. And yeah. even, it, like, season one, he wasn't even that bad. Like, that's pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, he's like, but I, well, we're, like I mean, bumbling. Like, no, you couldn't. You couldn't come up with what this might be. Oh my God! He, you know why? Because he spent the whole time in his Gaga closet. He's still learning all about it. He's really excited. You know, he just he finally finished his meat dress, but now it's Friday and the, the lesson's over. <laughs> you know? His meat dress. 
I just had this image of Matt Morrison trying to pull off a neat. Oh God! No. It would probably just be like meat booty shorts with the same stupid white V-neck shirt <laughs> that he wears as a shirt all the time. Oh, yeah, man. and then he'd rap. He'd rap some Gaga song instead. Yeah, <laughs> that is an image. Oh my God! Um, <laughs> like, what does he do with his spare time? Something weird. Something weird. So yeah, this has got to be after school because the lights are dimmed a little bit in the hallway, and there seems to be nobody around. Well, here's the thing: is Glee. Is it practice after school and it's a class? They've, they've done, they've um, canonly mentioned it both ways. Uh, so yeah. it seems like sometimes, like. It's whenever it's convenient. But like sometimes <laughs> whenever it's they're convenient. doing their, like, extracurricular stuff, I guess they have practice mm-hmm. afterwards. And then, so the hallways are empty. The jocks are there because they just had football practice, so they're not sweaty. So maybe they're just starting to go into football practice. I don't know. Maybe they just are bored and playing around the school for fun. I don't know. Mm. But I do, I love the moment where Kurt's, like, touching the puffy shoulder of Finn's outfit. And Finn goes to touch his outfit, but he, like, crumple touches it incorrectly. And, and Kurt's yeah. like, oh, no. Yeah. no. Well, and I no. always say that's the beginning of their um, their really brotherly relationship right mm-hmm. there. I mean, crush is done. But then they start to become really good brothers. And Yeah. I think Finn, I mean, at the heart of all this, I mean, Finn, Finn, you know, makes horrendous mistakes and says some dumb things. But Finn, I think of all of, he is such a nice, he is a nice person. You know, mm-hmm. he is a good person deep down. He makes mistakes. He bumbles. He doesn't know who the hell he is. I mean, who does when they're 16? And, uh, but I think inherently he is a very good person. And so I'm glad that, you know, he was, by the end of this episode, he's not vilified anymore, you know? Right. Yeah, I think that was important. Well, and at the same time, and neither is Kurt's situation being passed off either. I think that, you know, I mean, I guess there's more of a resolution to it when they get to season two and Furt and all that, but it is a nice little wrap-up of, of the arc entirely where nobody comes out looking like a bad guy. Mm-hmm. So that's theatricality. Yeah, I mean, so I think it takes it takes um, it takes duet. Like it. Oh, <laughs> oh, what did She wants to sing Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah, it ta- it takes into season two. It takes some of the stuff with Sam for like the brotherly stuff to really sink in. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it's right. so great all the time. And I just want to have like, can we have a scene every in every episode with like the Hudmel household and like, what are they doing? Are they making dinner? What are they making? <laughs> they're playing sorry. You know, there's so they're many things where it's like, there's so many things where it's like, oh, it's Finn's turn to cook on Tuesdays. Oh no, what are they having? You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, can we? Um, we need to end on the thought of of Bert and Carol and Finn and Kurt actually playing a board game together. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I, I'm imagining it now with Kurt and Finn in their Gaga outfits. Like, they come home, like, Kurt, Bert and get, Beryl are supposed to have a date. They go, they come back to the ho- to the house, and they're like, we had such a great day. We're so good. Who wants to play Sorry? And Bert and Carol just look at each other weird because the two of them are still wearing the outfits, and they don't change. Yeah. I'm like, you know. What did I you do just, to Finn? <laughs> what did you do to my curtain? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I can't shower. <laughs> I can just see Kurt being super competitive and Finn being really confused. About, yeah. Even if it was just sorry. Monopoly or risk or something, and it just all goes horribly wrong. 
<laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I love the Hudmull family. I and do, so too. Many, oh, you know. And I feel like we just didn't see enough of the four of them together. They got oh, married, right. and then I kind of, kind of forgot that they got married. Do you know what I yep. mean? Because <laughs> it's Carol like Sam around. moved in with them, and then I kind of forgot that Sam moved in with them. Because <laughs> they never mention it. I mean, I see it in fic all the time, yeah. but I'm like, I they just, there's, I, I'm guessing Sam didn't stay very long, just because there's never any kind of it. I mean, he was there I Especially, think most of the year. My thing is, if Sam was there the whole in time, and then, like, Blaine's around all the time in season two, I just, in the way they act like they didn't really know each other until season four, I... I well, no, Blaine makes it clear that he knows who Sam is. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think bringing this again, to a sad place just for I a sec. Feel, you know, they probably... Oh, no, go on. They probably had, like, family dinners together, and then I think Blaine and Kurt went to Kurt's room, you know, and did, True. you know, they had their watching Bobby Brown marathon and, like, closing the door and having their private time. You oh, know, no, don't you read thick? The door is always open. <laughs> they have to listen. They have secret sounds. <laughs> I like to believe that there was, like, that they, that, that Kurt and Rachel made an arrangement not that Kurt and Finn made an arrangement, but Kurt and Rachel made an arrangement where, like, you protect the other one. And they had, like, a whole system of, like, how, like, okay, now I'm going to break the rules and you're going to cover for me like this. Like, they took turns being, like, the couple that would be in the living room when someone came back, you know? I just got this image in my head of, like, there's this time and Bert, not Bert, well, not even Bert, Blake and Kurt. <laughs> It, that's what happened. I combined the two. Um, I like making out on the bed, and then all of a sudden he hears Rachel groaning, and then it's just like the mood is ruined. I've read that fic. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty out there. <laughs> I read a great one that was just, it was from the, um, it was just from Carol's point of view, and it was about like why she had to buy so much Kleenex all the time when, <laughs> when Finn and Sam and Kurt were all there. And she was just constantly having to buy so much Kleenex. <laughs> well, it's like that scene in Bridesmaids with the mom with the three kids, and she's like, I cracked a blanket. There's <laughs> semen everywhere. Like, <laughs> that would be quite a household with three 16-year-old boys. Oh, God. Yeah. But I think what's so nice about the, you know, the Hudmoles, I think, I, I wish, I so wish we'd seen more of them because I think when you go to the quarterback taking it to a sad place for a sec um the most beautiful scene is the scene with the three of them yeah I think anyway the scene with Carol and Bert and and Kurt when they're packing up his things and I mean Romy Roseman was unbelievable in that scene but you know think about how much even more impact that would have have had had we seen them as a family more. Right. You know, and I think I, sometimes I think that, that, I mean, there's so many characters you just couldn't touch on everything, but you know, where did that fandom trope about Friday? I mean, Friday night dinners came from girl Jesus, right? Where they had Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, does Blaine join Friday night dinners? Does Sam join Friday night dinners? Do they all sit down together with Rachel as well for Friday night dinners? You know, I want to know that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Totally. 
Yeah, oh my god, poor Carol, like, nothing good happens for Carol. She has so many, so much terrible stuff. Like, her no. life is so hard. It really Thank is. she has Bert. Yeah, she has Bert. All right, well, I think I'm going to wrap up the podcast on that note. Uh, <laughs> on the down, depressing note. On the, down, on the downer note. Yay! Yeah, downer note. We have so much brighter and yet not as bright things coming up. But, um, no, it's, you know, wrapping it up, this is really the end of Kurt's storyline of the season. And um, it's a fantastic one. It's much better than, you know, season four where he gets nothing. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it, yeah. So, yeah, that's theatricality. Yay! Yay! Roof off, we're gonna tear the roof off, and mother sucker, tear the roof off, the sucker. Sometimes I think what I need is a human adventure. Cause I'm a freak, baby. Everything's coming up Still